This is the Leapcast, where we talk about how today's current events impact your real life. If you are tired of politics or you are just exhausted from the spin, this show is for you. My name is Andrew Lieb, and every week I host a talk radio show breaking down the news from an independent point of view. We discuss real estate, business, and your health. Hear from the experts and learn the truth on the Leapcast. Personal coach and trusted attorney, Andrew Lieb. Welcome back to the Liebcast. So, we did a few different fun, 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 fun topics we got going on today, but I just wanted to take a little time here and put a little personal venting out there because when you have a microphone and you have some things that are nagging at you, you just might as well say it. It's better or cheaper than therapy. We are just so frustrated with our leasing of our property. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. So we are one of the landlords that have been hit hard with COVID. We have a lot of vacancies. If you don't know what we're talking about, pick up your Newsday from last week. They did a whole thing about landlords. And landlords are like fronting this entire country right now. Yeah, we don't get any PPP. We don't get any government assistance. We just have to pay. As landlords. As landlords. We, the landlords, have to pay all the carrying costs to keep properties, to maintain them, to remove the snow, to do all of these very expensive things while our tenants are either going out of business or, or moving to other locations. So I'm going to let Lauren tell you about the frustration in a second, but I want you to focus on a date for me. February 26, 2021. Write it down. February 26, 2021. That is when the moratorium on commercial evictions is over. February 26. Until it's not. Well, you know, if it's not, there's case law. A court, a court made a decision. A court ruled on this that said there's two ways to evict one, someone. One is an eviction proceeding. The other one's called an ejectment proceeding. They said all these moratoriums are only about eviction proceedings, not ejectment proceedings. So you can still go to Supreme Court and get rid of someone that away. But I can't wait for this February 26th. And it's not because I want to evict people. It's because I want the tenants to stop disrespecting the landlords. I keep getting landlords calling me up and going, my tenant said they're not paying this month. My tenant says they're giving me only $400 a month. My tenant says they're doing this. What do you mean they're saying they're doing? Don't they ask for permission? Don't they have a written contract? What are they talking about? So anyway, here's our new frustration. We had a tenant. Land, a broker found us the tenant. A prospective tenant on a vacancy in a property. And it was a really good conversation. I met with a guy like he came in my office. We talked about it. He wanted a two-year lease. He loved us. He this loved was the place. for a commercial property. He want, he's a professional. He's moving from a different place. The broker floated him a sample lease. Because we give our broker a sample lease and show it to him. This guy's a professional. I have to remind you again. He says, good. He wants it drafted up. We pay our attorney in our office that does this to do it. She sends him the lease. He writes back, I don't feel comfortable signing the personal guarantee. Can we do something about that? Well, let's just tell everybody what a personal guarantee is. It means that just because you created the Shell Corporation or a limited liability company that has no assets and you signed a lease for two years, if you break, break the lease within the first year, six months, a year and a half, 
and we go after you. We're not going to just be able to go after this shell entity that has no assets where you don't care if we want a judgment. We could sue you personally because just like we're committing that it's your space for this period and we can't lease it to someone for more money and we can't go sell the building vacant and it's your space for this period. And we made a deal and the bargain might be good and the bargain might be bad, but it's the bargain. You can't have an agreement where you could just walk away whenever you want. That's crazy talk. Why should you be able... If I'm going to do a lease without a personal guarantee on a shell company, I might as well go month to month. We'll figure it out every month. Why even have a lease? Now, to be clear, I don't always require personal guarantees. Sometimes I do good guy guarantees and sometimes I don't have guarantees at all. It depends on how many assets your business has. So if you're a business, a reputable business, and you have a franchise and you own the franchise, that franchise is worth money. So at the end of the day, I don't need a personal guarantee. Why not? Because I'll go after the franchise. I'll own the franchise. Well, as landlords, we want to do is get paid what we agreed to, what the terms are, because why would we want a tenant that's can easily not pay. Makes no sense. So anyway, he says that, and then he ghosts us. He just disappears. Ghosts us. The attorney writes him. The broker writes him. He just disappears. Ghosts us. He doesn't want to do that. That's not what he's doing. This has been the world we're living in because you know why? Tenants have so much, so much, so much leverage because they know that there's vacancies everywhere or there's tenants in there that are not paying and landlords are so desperate just to get first and last month's rent on signing lease or something like that. And just so we're clear, the Housing Stability and Tenant Protection Act in New York that blocks you from collecting more than one month's rent in advance is only for residential property. So in commercial property, you could do six months in advance, a year in advance. So when I said first and last, I want to make sure I don't get those emails as soon as we broadcast this that I'm wrong about that. So as you can tell, as you can tell, being a landlord is frustrating, costly. And by the way, a lot of work. I have a flood in one of my buildings in the basement right now. We're ripping off the wallpaper in another one and putting on paint setting aside the whole snow that keeps happening every week and having to hire snow companies. And they're expensive. It's something else. So I'm on Facebook this morning. And this gal who, um, I know on Facebook, like I have a lot of Facebook friends. 5,000, the limit. They only allow you to have 5,000. I don't have that many real friends. He knows about 100 of them. So I have a lot, when you have this type of thing, people are your friend. So um I, it was my 40th birthday this week, and I had 400 comments. Of, That's uh, pretty uh, impressive. It, yeah. So, You're and trying Lauren, to figure out how many people you knew out of those 400. It was something else. So anyway, um, I'm on Facebook, and this gal posts this morning, and she's a, I like her. I want you to know if she's listening, I think that she does good stuff in the industry. I'm not attacking her. And you're not going to name names. I'm not naming names. But she posts something about how, like, why is everyone posting about girls shouldn't shovel? This girl shovels all the time on her passive income properties (laughs) and let's post pictures of shoveling at your passive income properties and we have more to hear she's an influencer too and does anyone else see an issue with shoveling on a passive income property because morty for me i don't know about you but i've never passively shoveled in my life yeah i don't don't know i don't know what that means (laughs) (laughs) So I said that. Unless you say, oh, snow removal person that I'm hiring, could you shovel and I'll passively look at you? 
No, because you're still paying them, Lauren. So, like, when you pay someone to do a job for you, it's as if you did it because you had to earn the money to pay them. You yeah. see what I'm saying? So, like, that would be like saying a business owner is passive because they have staff. Like, you still have to manage the staff, pay the staff. So, she wrote this, and I wrote back something along the lines, there's nothing passive about being in real estate. And that's a false narrative that people are perpetuating, and it really creates a lot of people to fail. And she sends me this link that passive means your money while you sleep. And I go, I've never shoveled while I sleep, but that's a whole other story. <laughs> for, so um, anyway, I said a triple net lease is passive. So this brings me to my point. Lauren and I wrote a book during the pandemic, and we're done with the manuscript. We're actually talking to some literary agents. I haven't signed yet, so if you're a literary agent and you want to crack at this, give me a ring-a-ding-ding-ding-dong. But it's called Purchasing Property Post-Pandemic. And it's about 250 pages. It's done. Like, we're editing still. You're always editing. You're always editing. You're always editing. And so we have – it's about three different things. It's about, number one, there's great opportunity after the pandemic because all the markets have shifted and what was hot before is not hot now and it's all going to shift around. And if you aren't thinking about purchasing property today, you're going to be the person that only had the negative of the downfall of the pandemic, not the upside that comes after. Number two, being good at purchasing property, residential property, your own home, investment property, any property, being good at it takes three main things. You need self-confidence. You need 10 tangible skills, and we go through the tangible essential skills that you need. And mostly, you need grit. You need to get up when you get punched in the face because it takes grit because it's not passive. And that's the second thing. You need three things. What is this about? What is the main thing that you need to know when you are purchasing property post the pandemic? As I say, you need self-confidence. You need grit. You need skills. You need to realize that these these 10 things, and then most importantly, the third one, the third one, you need to know what you're doing. You need real skills. You need a lot of these books out it's there. It's not a gut feeling. There's real substantial skills. You have to understand the terms of the deal, what you're liable for, what you are exposed to, how to make those little dollars where you don't even – it's a skill that you need to know. It's not It's not just a, I feel like this could go up in value. How do you know how much money you have? Do you have enough money for all the things breaking? When you do it, how do you negotiate? When you negotiate, how do you talk through a broker? When you talk through a broker, how do you get them to change their position? When you make a deal, how do you not make a deal too fast? The list goes on and on and on. We end the book by showing everyone how to create a business plan to do it on their own. So anyway, going full circle, this gal on Facebook said that about how she's getting passive income. So I thought it was a good place to read you a page from our book so you can get an idea. So if this was the audio book? If this was the audio book, this is a page from the book. And I just wanted to this is my thought about it. We often wonder why so many people believe that real estate is a passive investment. Maybe it's because you can outsource lots of the work involved in real estate ownership. You can outsource the brokerage, property management, legal, accounting, maintenance, repair, capital improvements, and much more. However, even with outsourcing, which is fine, active engagement is still required for your success because there's nothing passive about managing service providers. If you mismanage your service providers, they will perform terribly and cost you a fortune. Without active management, your service providers won't be efficient or strategic. 
They won't be smart or creative. They will make careless and reckless decisions. They will cause you to fail. As you can now understand, if you aren't yet ready to work, please don't get involved in purchasing real estate. This is serious. If you don't want to work, you should just rent and let your landlord take care of everything. If you don't want to work, you certainly shouldn't buy investment property. If you want to invest but you don't want to work, real estate is not for you. Perhaps you should buy government municipal bonds instead. There's almost no work involved in owning government municipal bonds. Real estate isn't like owning government municipal bonds. Real estate involves active engagement for your success. In real estate, even the most basic act of placing a tenant requires active engagement. Even if you outsource finding the tenant to a broker, you will have lots of work in just managing that broker. Think about it. Hiring that broker is work. Negotiating the listing agreement with the broker is work. Managing the broker's advertisements and showings of the property is work. And negotiating the lease is work. Even before you hire that broker, you have lots of work to do. You need to get a floor plan prepared, understand the square footage of this place, target your sought-after price per square foot for base rent, determine your common area maintenance pricing, ascertain how you will charge for taxes and insurance, and so much more. All these aspects of placing a tenant need to be worked out before you can even contemplate hiring a broker. As you can see, you need to do a lot of work in real estate. Regardless of whether you targeted real estate Regardless of whether your targeted real estate is being purchased for your own use or as an investment, you need to work when you are buying real estate. All this work requires that you have a lot of grit. Grit refers to your ambition, courage, and resilience. It means your tenacity for success. When you have grit, failure does not happen because it's not an option. There's a lot of opportunity for failure in purchasing real estate. It's going to knock you down more times than you can count. When you get knocked down, your grit will be the thing that gets you back up. Everyone gets knocked down, but only gritty people keep moving forward. Grit means rolling up your sleeves and getting your hands dirty. Remember when we, you were young and you played in the mud? If that was you and you were willing to get your hands dirty, it was fun. If it wasn't, you were terrible. See, the thing of this is, and that's the end of the little segment of here, is that real estate is work. Everything that's worth doing is work. And if you're going to treat something as just luck or happenstance, you're going to happenstance be out of business. And the thing of it is, is that I don't want you to hear that false narrative that that gal was saying, and she didn't mean anything by it. She was just trying to be cutesy and say she does hard work for her property, and she didn't realize the word she was using. But you know what? Don't ever sit home and say, I want to do this because it looks easier than what I'm doing. My friend has this job, and that's better. I wish I was that person. You only see the roses. What you need to understand is underneath the roses is a hell of a lot of mud. And underneath that mud is where you get your hands dirty. You see, I understand why we want to sell a dream. But if you live in reality, you're going to go much further in life. This is the Liebcast. We'll be right back. Find us on social media at Listen to Lieb or visit listentolieb.com. 